When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. I film study with Ken Cusick once again. Uh, we get to talk offense in the Ravens' victory, 21-0. In week six. And I guess we'll look a little bit forward to the Saints game. Though you probably should have watched the episode before. Listened to the episode before this. Where we went an hour and 45 minutes. Looking ahead to the Saints game. So Ken McCusick. How are you doing? Life's good Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, I just want to stress how great that episode was yesterday. That we released. That people should definitely be checking that one out. And sharing that one over the next few days. While they get ready for the Saints game. Lots of fun, certainly. Uh, Deuce Windham, very knowledgeable guy about the Saints and a lot of ins and outs of the personnel. These episodes have been fun to make, and I think that when you listen to them, you definitely gain a lot more insight into the opponent, which I think is a a fun thing to do around the league. Right, uh, of course, and that's that's why we do it each week, the Know Your Foe episode. Um, I think we only missed one foe this this year, and we'll make that up later in the season, I believe. Um. So we have already broken down the defense. We looked ahead. Let's look back one more time, and let's look at this offense. So, uh, what? well, uh, just in general, we talk about how great, amazing the defense was. The offense got this 21 nothing game. In general, do you think they just, once they got to 21, they said, all right, that's enough. We can just well, run the ball? They, de- they slowed the game down a lot, and, and the Ravens ran 72 offensive plays in this game to 40 by the Titans. And as great as the defensive performance was, you can't have a 40-snap 
defensive game without having an offense that sustains some drives that are very time-consuming. And the Ravens were excellent at that. And that first drive of the game where the Ravens uh, converted all five of their third-down opportunities, and we're going to talk through a little bit of that as we go here, uh, that really set the tone for the whole game. They ended up 12 for 17 on third down. That's just an incredible outlier of a result. A few years ago, they were 14 for 21 in a game at Pittsburgh, but the 12 for 17, as far as percentages go, has got to be up there near the top in Ravens history. Uh, truly exceptional, and and uh, you just don't get it. Uh, but like the defensive performance, I mean, just for both of those things to happen in the same game, just outrageous outliers. Yeah. Um so uh, there's a few things we're gonna we're gonna get to. Um, third downs, one of the things because they came into this game really strong on third downs. Yeah, the Ravens have, have been good on the third down all year, and you know it's it's they've been great at stopping third down and good at converting third down, and that's trend certainly continued in this one. They held the the uh, Titans to one for ten on third down, and on third down the, the Titans had ten plays for minus nineteen yards. So uh, really loving the defensive situational packages on third down, but I'm also really loving the way the Ravens have been able to convert this year. Uh, a lot of it is throws to the sticks, but as we'll see in a moment, a couple of these plays, particularly on this first drive, were throws not to the sticks that were converted after the catch. And and so uh, having a nice mix of ways you can get it done is uh, always nice. Right. So, right. 12 for 17 on third down. Um, you want to talk about the, that first drive? Yeah, in, the, in the third I, down conversions? I, I really think it's worth going over play by play here. So so let's talk about the first dive in general. So it came out, came out swinging with the long pass to Crabtree down the left sideline for 21 yards, I think it was. And that was really their big play of the drive. They didn't have, they didn't have any other really big plays. Uh, they, the Titans were then able to get them to third down five times. All right. Now, one of the things when your team doesn't get off the, on the, off the field on third down, what do you do? You scream at the TV set, you yell expletives. That is normal, right? Everybody does that? Well, anyway, right. <laughs> normal for me. And, and it, it, for the players on the field, very demoralizing. And you get more and more tired, obviously. The more plays you play consecutively, that would be true regardless of the down. But it certainly is more true when you have consecutive third downs being converted and you end up with a 15, 17, 18 play drive. Uh, let's talk about the third downs specifically to happen. So immediately after, they, they had a 21-yard play, and then they got him to third and 10. The Titans got the Ravens to third and 10. Good chance to put him out, but Allen caught a pass six yards behind the line of scrimmage. Little swing pass. Now, this is the kind of play and pass we would have said, Joe, got to throw the ball to the sticks. But Allen rambled for 17 yards, and there was really no one in his path. No, no one had a reasonable chance to get him before the sticks. He converted by a yard with a 17-yard, uh, 17-yard play. Sorry, 17 yak from six yards behind the line of scrimmage to be one yard past the marker. To be clear about that, and that was the first conversion. So that's great. Actually, felt kind of lucky to convert that play. But anytime you extend a drive, good news. The next play, they lined up third and one, and this was a 6:51 to go, and. I took a picture of this and I included it in the article, but it's almost like the Titans conceded the first down. Effectively, they left the right A and B gaps. Those are the gaps between center and guard and between guard and tackle, both open. Uh, you may as well have just given a, a, an automatic quarterback sneak call at that point. Uh, they, the Titans called the play for the Ravens, effectively. And sure enough, Flacco ran the QB sneak. And instead of getting his usual 1.6 yards, he got three yards on the play. And, and very rare, but actually one of the linemen, it might have been two, threw a combination block on that play, which is almost impossible to do in a, on a QB sneak. That means you block someone at the line of scrimmage to help pin someone, and then you go to level two and make a second block because the Titans left it so open, uh, they did that. Take a look at the article if you want to see how they were lined up there. Well, or just go back to your DVR, Game Pass, whatever you've got, and take a look at the play itself. But the, the Titans were not prepared to defend it. Very strange for Dean Pease uh, that he was not prepared to defend a third and one like that, but uh, that's how it ended up. Right. We go a little further in the drive. Yep. Q1507. Uh, we got third and five. And Flacco, again, threw short of the marker on a little outlet pass for Allen. He was laid out of the backfield. Throws 
only to the line of scrimmage. So he's got five yards to make after the catch, and he gets six after the catch. So twice in a row, Buck Allen bailed him out with yards after the catch to make a first down. And it's just really embarrassing when your defense is, is allowing passes like that. You can't get it stopped. So uh, more plays. Uh, then on third and, let's see, um, I don't remember the third down. I don't have it written down here. doesn't matter that much. Uh, Flacco again went for Allen up the left sideline. Uh, but Jayon, that pass went incomplete. But Jayon Brown in the middle of the field had already held Andrews. Now, it was kind of unfortunate that Flacco's didn't see how open – Andrews was even after Jan Brown's hold because Jan Brown slipped right off Andrews and it was an opportunity to Flacco hit for to hit Andrews for a play of 15 or 20 plus yards and uh, he, he didn't do it threw the ball for Allen incomplete penalty extends the drive anyway so another conversion very nice then on third and goal from the four yard line of course Flacco threw the touchdown pass to Crabtree by the left pylon and you know again five straight third downs made I'd just be beside myself and screaming at the TV set watching that. Yeah, and we, as Raven fans, we, we've been there before where it seems like uh, our defense cannot get off the off the field. And it, it, got, it you know it demoralizes the offense to just watch that and watch it fall apart. And, and of course, it tires out the defense and, and they're just worn and they feel like they can never get off the field. And then the fan base is completely frustrated. Long drives yeah. like that do a lot for uh, momentum and the moral moral support, I guess, of oh. your team. All, all true. And the and the offense then comes back on the field. There's tremendous pressure on them not to have a three and out immediately after a right. drive like that. And so, uh, you know, it, it, there's, there's pressure all the way around. When you give up a long drive, you're always in danger of giving up two long ones in a row. So, uh, or maybe another way to say it is when you give up a long drive, you're only one, one drive away from giving up two long in a row. So... Uh, Titans did come back out. They were on the, on the field for a three-play drive, including a penalty. Uh, they had two sacks in a row, and the Ravens got the ball back immediately and had another touchdown drive. So uh, the, the game was effectively over from my point of view at that point with the Ravens up 14-0 and playing good defense. Right. But uh, uh, very, very impressive offensive showing in terms of getting third downs converted. Right, and it seemed like after that point, that's when the Ravens decided to to get the run game going, which we haven't had much luck with this season. And I was hearing it immediately after the game. Look, the Ravens ran the ball a bunch and we won. And it's the most irritating thing in the world to me. Now that you know the magic formula, right? No, the Ravens won and they ran the ball a lot is what you should have told them. But, oh, I did. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I was told that I, I don't understand and that it – it, it's clearly uh, the the magic formula is run the ball you win. Okay, so it was all it was all setting up that first drive, all those third down plays, and all the success there was set up by the two and three yard runs yes. that the Ravens had to get. It. I get it. Okay. Yep. So um, you were talking about pressure. How about pressure on Joe and ample time and space? Now he he was pretty good in that in that category. The offensive line, first of all, they did not allow a sack in the game, so that's terrific. They only allowed him to be knocked down one time, and it had to be at midfield because he had a funny Titan color paint. And that's one of the fields that I don't know why in the NFL, but that field bleeds a lot. It's natural grass, of course, and and their paint just always seems to bleed out of the jerseys whenever anybody gets taken down there. So anyway, he 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 carried that around, but he actually was only hit hit once in the game. Uh, really didn't even suffer that much pressure in the game, but he had 19 out of 37 ample time and space opportunities, which is good. And uh, he did okay with those, just basically an average yardage total. It was nine yards actually better than his his opportunity set would have dictated, giving his own historical norms. Uh, but if when you think about the weather and, and you know it was raining there and whatnot, I think that's actually a pretty good total for that. I'd, I'd upgrade it certainly from average to good from, from what he did. The only interception, of course, Flacco threw was was a deflected ball. Uh, a lot of people say it hit the ground, including some players on the field. That should have been automatically reviewed, but for some reason it was not. Uh, not sure why, but in the end, doesn't matter in the outcome. It will matter in terms of Flacco's stats because it's on his permanent, permanent, right. permanent record, of course. Uh, but uh, but a very good game uh, uh, from Joe. And uh, honestly, looking at that questionable interception not just because it hit the ground but also because it was a deflected pass i thought he played very well in this game yeah that interception confused me because i was under the um, un, the under the impression that all turnovers were reviewed yes that, that's right they're supposed to be and I, I don't know why that one wasn't because the ravens were calling for it and that should be enough 
If, right. You know, they, 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 I think the procedure is that the officials call up to a replay booth and they say, is there anything to indicate we should be looking at this? And then it, they get a text message back saying yay or nay. And then they go look at the, the uh, video if that's the case. But they must have gotten somebody in the booth to basically tell them, no, nothing to look at here. Go ahead. All right, that guy must have not had that big of a TV because everyone else on <laughs> on, on Twitter and in my home <laughs> thought that ball moved when it touched the ground. There you go. Um, all right, well, either way, it's it's continuing to be good Joe and, and a different Joe than we had last year, which is really helping. They also scaled back on the, the Lamar uh, – trick plays yeah not too much Lamar in this game we did see Lamar uh, get on late in the game for a 22 yard run so that was nice I right. think he might have been on for uh, two or three snaps uh, we can check that out while I'm, look, while I'm looking at right. this but uh, the 22 yard run was a nice big deal it was well blocked up the left sideline uh, he made a nice little move at the beginning of the run uh, and uh, ended up getting there. Lamar Jackson only on the field for two plays in this one, so so uh, good game for him. Right, the one and, run, the one run up the left side was was good, and it, it yeah. got it got him good yardage, and that's what we've been wanting to see from one of these Lamar plays. Yeah, I mean, um, that's right. He hadn't broken one today. Right, it was right. first one, and he he got close to into the end zone on that one. Um, do you think that the Lamar plays were scaled back because the game was so dominated by the Ravens, or do you think offensively they're starting to scale back Lamar now that they kind of see what they've got? Well, this is a game, and, and the Saints are coming off a bye this week. So this Titans game was a game where I thought they might have rested some people early. That would be particularly true of the defense, but it also could have been true of Flacco, say, any of the wide receivers, maybe give Edwards most of the carries at the end of the game, which they did. Uh, you know, he ended up with 10 carries in this game, and, right. and Collins and and uh, Allen got shut down fairly early in those terms. Well, they, so, and they, they had the opportunity that they could have sat Flacco down. Yeah, they did. They, they could have done it, and they could have, could have gotten some more playing time out of, uh, out of Jackson, and it would have made a lot of sense, I think, but uh, it's fine. Uh, Joe had a streak going of 25 com- games with 25 completions, it would be kind of nice if that ended. I mean, from my point of view, it's not really a good thing. It's not something the Ravens should be trying to do. But they, he ended up extending the record with a little forward pitch play to um, uh, Chris Moore, who was coming across. And okay. you, know, you really think of it as a handoff, but it's a, but it's a forward pass. Right. He had another pass that was actually a lateral too in the game. By the way, a, a, a play to Collins on the left side. So a little bit of weirdness going around uh, uh, what the Ravens did in this game. All right, uh, let's get to the offensive line, and let's start with Stanley. Okay, so Stanley had a, had a reasonably good game. Um, there's some anomalies to what happened in this game. He had nine missed blocks. But when I really break that down, it's a lot of blocks that are of the non-costly type. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. A costly missed block is one where you miss a block in pass protection that might have turned into a pressure, say, but Flacco got the ball out quickly. Or you get beat for some other reason uh, at the line of scrimmage and in at the point of attack. Those are bad missed blocks. The kind of not bad missed block, which is what he had, are four blocks in level two, four movement to level two where he couldn't find a block, and that's okay. It's not, it's, it's not ideal. You'd like him to make a contribution, but it's not a serious error that's going to cause a negative play or cause a high-variance play. Uh, he had... Two cases where he failed to make a block when he pulled. Uh, both times he was tripped up, once by the defender, once by his own offensive player, in terms of uh, getting to the spot. On the offensive players on the right side, uh, on a play that Brian Baldinger called out as being really bad scheme, where Andrews blocked Jarrell Casey, uh, and it was a, intended to be a trap play, and uh, we had from left to right, we had Stanley moving. He fell over that pile. And it uh, really was a train wreck of a play all the way around. But uh, I, I, I like the idea of trapping Casey, by the way. I think it's a, that's a good idea, but you have to have space to work with to do it. You have to give Collins space to the outside to make a move, and it just wasn't there. So um, uh, I, I agreed with most of Baldinger's comments, but that particular play, I, I, I kind of liked the, the scheme there. Uh, he had two cases where he whiffed 
at the line of, line of scrimmage on Daquan Jones, who, who had a pretty decent game against the Ravens in general. And then he had one other whiff in level two. So, you know, in general, those nine missed blocks weren't all that costly. He did allow three and a half pressures in the game, which is not terrible if you don't allow other events of tackles over 71 plays. Now, I remember 70, 71 plus one kneel, so that doesn't get scored, and that's why the difference between those two. Overall, Stanley at .72 per play, and that's a C after adjustment, before adjustment, either way at tackle. So a, a solid game from Stanley, not quite up to the level he'd been at, but uh, but nonetheless, I think a game that could be underrated based on the on the lack of costliness of those missed blocks. All right. Um, how about Lewis? Clearly he went out at the end of the game. Yeah, very very scary injury, and you know he missed the last uh, what fourteen, fifteen snaps, whatever it was, and you know it, it's one of these things where you know you really hope that when he's lying there on the stretcher, and you know nobody really knows what's happened, that there's somebody, you know, we see, we've all seen Jerry Maguire probably, and you know when the when his friend is lying on the field and he can't get up, you know Jerry Maguire calls a family and whatnot, and you just hope there's somebody in that stadium who's at least getting in touch with Lewis's family on that. A very scary moment. There were enough and, people on the field surrounding him that someone should have been able to make a phone call. Yeah, well, there you go, and and, and I hope they were. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, Lewis had a pretty good game. He had a full pass rush charge on a pressure uh, that he gave up when he couldn't handle a stunt by a Rackpo, who obviously is quick and, and, and difficult to handle. Uh, not the pass rusher he once was, but still pretty good. He missed three poles out of ten. So he had a, had a nice opportunity set on pulls. Uh, he didn't have any negative events on those pulls, so, so that worked out okay. Uh, made a couple blocks in level two. Uh, overall, he scored at .79 per play with an adjustment that brings him up to a B. Uh, very solid. I think that uh, you know this is his second consecutive B game, so I'm hoping that, that he's a little bit out of the spotlight in terms of who might be in danger next or who's in jeopardy because the Ravens have some good backups now. They still have Brown sitting on the bench, and they had Bozeman, who we're going to talk about a little bit, had a pretty good game in relief of Lewis. We can talk about that, in fact, right now. He came in for 14 snaps, made 13 of his blocks, two pulls, did not have a block in level two, but uh, converted both of those pulls and, uh, you know, looked to be have some of the mobility they would want in that guard. That's a, That's something that... I think is keeping Bradley off the field is a in a I think he will have difficulty zone blocking. He's about a quarter step too slow, which is all you need to be too right. slow to not be able to zone block effectively. So, you know, he's he's a guy that they're going to be able to deal with that limited mobility somehow, hopefully, and and find a way to use the additional power he brings to the table. All right, um, Skura had a bad game. Yes, he did. So second consecutive bad game for, for Matt Skira. Four pressures allowed at center, which is really bad, uh, and two holding flags to boot. So he came in uh, at, at an F, a high F as it turned out, about six points short of, of scoring. Uh, it still hasn't been that one completely fall off the table kind of uh, game so far. Nobody scored in the 40s or 30s as, as a, you know, we've had plenty of times in the past in the in the Gradkowski era or O'Neal Cousins or Hurst when in some of his early efforts at, at left tackle and right tackle. Uh, it, it, we just haven't had a game like that. But this is a game, a second consecutive F for Skura that, that definitely brings to question his security at the position again. And, you know, two weeks ago we were saying, no danger. You know, he's played well in three of the four games, and, you know, things change quickly, a couple Fs, and, and uh, all of a sudden he's back on the hot seat, I think, among uh, among players on the offensive line. Uh, that's unfortunate. Um, Marshall Yanda is still playing well. We, I guess us uh, guys, I guess, last year declaring him done were wrong. Well, it, you know, he had, he had a serious injury. That ankle injury was, was one of these things that's just – you never know at his age if you're going to rehab properly from an injury, but he's had a little bit of trouble pulling this year. They don't pull too much from right to left just because they had some of their bigger linemen on the on the right side, and Lewis has been more effective so far at pulling. So I guess they want to, to, to try that. But uh, but Yanda pulled five times in this game and only got one point. And in the last game, he only got one point out of four pulls. So uh, it, in, when you're looking at that, that's the only part about his game that's weak. Otherwise, he's still scoring very high. He had a, 
uh, 0.89 raw score in this. Only had one negative event the entire game, which is a shared penetration. So that's half of a run play that went for a loss. Uh, and he ended up with an A again. Uh, another day at the office, he had three really gorgeous highlight blocks, including a double pancake. So you don't see that very often. You want to look at his highlight blocks. I'm not going to describe each one. Just go to the article, look at them again. You've got timestamps there, and that's a that's an opportunity to use your Game Pass subscription. All right, um, Hurst. You've been praising Hurst. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I've had problems with Hurst's grading to date, but there's nothing you can take away from him in terms of this game. I thought he kind kind of been given a ton of help in order to maintain a C plus average, kind of like a way over-tutored player in his television class uh, getting a C-plus with all the help in the world. But uh, Hurst, in this case, uh, had a great had a great game, the best game, in fact, of his entire career. Surrendered two pressures, both to Jayon Brown. Uh, sorry, one to Jayon Brown, one to Arakpo. Uh, but those were his only negative events. He missed three blocks in the game, but he otherwise did very well. Had three very nice highlight blocks. Uh, including the big block that sprung Collins on that 13-yard weave through traffic TD. It's Hurst's combination block in level two that that really sprung Collins, and so that was impressive. Uh, he's not in any jeopardy at this point, which means there's a big logjam on the offensive line at this point. I, if Lewis is not able to go in this next game, I don't think there's a good reason why they would move Hurst from right tackle to left guard. I think it's more likely they'll do exactly what they did in this game, which was insert Bradley Bozeman at left guard. So uh, if I had to if I had to just guess how this is going to play out, I, I would guess Bozeman ends up starting at left guard in this game. We see Hurst again at right tackle, and Orlando Brown continues to be the sixth lineman. All right. Um, but it should give Orlando Brown, even if he doesn't get into that starting rotation, he should be getting more snaps this week with Alex Lewis out. Well, he, he might. Uh, we'll see if they do any rotational play. With Bozeman in there, you never know. I mean, if he if, if Bozeman stumbles in the game, I think it's possible they'll make an in-game change where they move Hurst to left guard. That's possible. Uh, but, but it's just, I think it becomes less likely. They'll also have another presumably interior offensive lineman activated if Lewis is deactivated for that game. So that could be Ronas Grasso is, is active for this one. So there are various possibilities. I think the likelihood of Orlando Brown being used as anything but the jumbo sixth lineman is probably pretty low this week. But uh, but maybe it happens. Maybe injury demands it at some point. And uh, eventually if he's going to get on the field, it's just a nice problem to have. They had the problem at one point with Chris Chester years ago that he was a pretty good lineman who was just not quite good enough to play on a team that had five very good starting linemen. And uh, he ended up getting a big contract from Washington and playing well for many years in the league. But uh, Orlando Brown, I think he will get on the field by injury at some point. It's, he, won't be, uh, he won't be stuck on the sidelines for this entire year. All right. As we record, this is Wednesday night, and Alex Lewis still has not practiced this week, correct? No, he did not practice. So Harbaugh came out in the, in the interview today and, and said that he had what in old-timey terms was a pinched nerve. So maybe they call it a nerve impingement or whatever they call it today. Well, hopefully... It's not a serious, lasting injury. Uh, I think some of the things we heard about Mariota in the game really kind of scare you about the impact of that, and, and which should just scare you normally if there's a, a neck injury involving any kind of nerve pinching. But uh, whether it's discomfort or feeling that he needs back, uh, uh, hopefully he'll, he'll recover from that and, uh, and, and be right as a person before he's right as a player as well. Right, sure. Uh, a few more guys I want to talk about before we get to our MVPs. And I want to talk first with the running game since the Ravens did focus on this a little bit this week. Uh, and Alex Collins and what he's doing. So Alex Collins had 19 for 54. Uh, not not a great game. Uh, Collins is not getting the number of easy level two opportunities he was getting last year. Uh, part of the problem is just the power run game from left to right is not as effective uh, don't have as bulky a right tackle over there. They had Austin Howard last year. They don't have as effective a puller, although Lewis hasn't been terrible. He hasn't been quite as good as Hurst was last year in terms of pulling from left to right. So and those are a couple of small things. Uh, Baldinger pointed out some scheme things that he didn't like with Collins running into numbers on the left side, another one with a, with a tight end being utilized in a, in a funny way. that Roman's run scheme 
involves a lot of one-gap pulls as opposed to long pulls. So long pulls are what you're used to from a guard, where he pulls from left to right or right to left typically and goes at least two gaps worth before he makes a block. A, a short pull is a one-gap pull, generally speaking, where you cut around one player and, and, and make a block. And often that'll be to create some sort of a trapping situation by a tight end, and a tackle will move around in order move around that tight end in order to make a block on the edge. So they tried some of that in this game and honestly didn't work very well. Baldinger really called it out as being being bad scheme. Uh, for most part, I don't disagree with his comments. I, I, I do like one trap they made on Casey. I think we talked about earlier, so I won't, won't belabor that. Uh, but Collins really also, when he has had level level two opportunities, um, he's broken some tackles this year and, and gotten some extra yards out of it. That's both on pass and run plays. Uh, he just needs more total level two opportunities. I, I really liked his weave through the maze run for the 13-yard TD. Nice to see him have the speed to the edge to get that second TD. Uh, so you know he did some good things in this game, and just uh, not enough level two opportunities. All right. Uh, did Buck Allen have the same issues with the line? Buck Allen only had one carry in the game. Okay, so he had one carry for one yard, and uh, and that was it. But he had he, Buck Allen's main usage was as the pass receiver on that very first drive, where he uh, got two receptions that were short of the stick and took him for first downs. And then he had one more reception, I think, in the game. I think he had three total uh, receptions. But uh, honestly, he didn't play all that much. He was in later in the game. He was in for a QB sneak and whatnot. Uh, but let's see, he played 28 snaps total in the game. So that's actually a very low touch total for Allen to get in a game where he was in that much. So a little bit odd, uh, probably that he did not uh, not get the ball more. All right. This was a fun week for sports talk because – Michael Crabtree went from the the villain that nobody liked in Baltimore to the star that everyone said can catch anything. Well, short glad, memories in Baltimore. Glad to see him turn it around. And yeah, you know, there's a, hopefully a lot of short memories in the NFL because uh, things go wrong and then they go right. And you know we're terrible and never going to win another game after Cincinnati. And then we're great and then we lose to the Browns and we're never going to win another game. And all of a sudden we've got the best defense in football again. So uh, you know. Things bounce all over the place. But Michael Crabtree had a lot of problems, of course, in those rain games prior. Was leading the NFL in drops with eight. Didn't drop the ball this week. Um, caught six of nine targets and for 93 yards. Got open well on the left sideline. That's saying saying something for Crabtree. A couple times on the left sideline, once behind the defender, once in front of the defender on the comeback. You really like to see a, a mix of those because that means Crabtree is being able to sell the, 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 uh, the hook or the... Uh, stop and go. He did a good job of getting open on the near pylon for the touchdown catch. So a lot of good stuff from from Crabtree, and uh, hopefully he can keep it up and uh, be a productive receiver. All right. I uh, yeah, I like that. I hope we see that continue. I feel like we'll need it every week. I feel like we need him to catch the ball like that. Uh, let's get to the MVPs, and then we'll get to a few mailbag questions. Okay, well, sure. Uh, I'll go. I guess I'll go first, like we usually do. With the, my third number three MVP is James Hurst in this game with his his best career game, only the second A he's ever had at tackle. Uh, the last one was in the infamous kick six game, where Will Hill returned the blocked kick by Brent Urban at Cleveland on eleven thirty fifteen for the game winning touchdown that improved the. Cleveland draft status considerably. So uh, that uh, was the last time, and uh, he very very well-earned number three star in this game. All right, uh, I marked down Cyrus Jones as my number three. Nothing super exciting, but it's nice to have a kick returner that doesn't just fair catch constantly that we can trust to maybe do a little something with the ball. Yeah, yeah that was exciting. I agree. That's a good pick. Uh, Crabtree's my number two guy with six of nine catches, as we just talked about uh a uh, good turnaround game for him. I, I, I would hope that in a normal game, his performance would be on a borderline, be an honorable mention for the MVP of a game. But, you know, in this game, it just it wasn't a lot of real standout offensive players, and, and uh, this is where he belongs at number two. Yeah, my number two is another receiver that had a good game, Willie Sneed. Great who pick. Is, is really turning into be that, that middle-of-the-field guy for Flacco. Yeah, go-to go guy, and uh, I think we talked about this a little bit, either with Deuce or maybe on a previous show, but uh, the ball gets delivered on time, and with the shorter routes and Flacco's arm strength, ball placement very important, 
and Snead's got to have the good hands to handle it because if he doesn't, good chance for an interception in the middle of the field if, I, if that ball gets deflected. But so far, all been good good news for Snead in terms of his catches. Yeah. So I like that but pick I, too. Yeah, I do think we learned that Willie Snead is not that fast, though. Yeah, he certainly said so on on TV, and and uh, I agree. You know, he's he's uh, uh he's got problems. It was it was him that the ball was bounced off for the interception, wasn't it? I mean, it was a contested catch, obviously, so it wasn't an easy one. But uh, but it was him, I believe, who, who right. had the ball bounce off of the interception by Bayard. All right. Oh, all right. My number one is Yanda. Uh, continues to put up week after week. We never include him in the MVPs. Sometimes we toss him in there with the offensive line as a whole. But uh, great season, obviously, for Marshall. And uh, you know, you'll the consistency that he provides is just so uh, outstanding. And uh, no, not seeing any obvious decline in play from him. All right, and I gave my number one to Joe Flacco, who's continuing to manage this offense really well this season. All right, well, that's fair enough. Joe, again, proving he's uh, very weather-resistant, and that's something I think the Ravens want on Sunday. They would like a extreme weather game. Now, we're not asking for a hurricane or anything, but if we could have a little rain, maybe 20-mile-an-hour winds, uh, I think that would really help against the Saints. You ju- You just want Raven fans to be wet constantly, don't you? I, you know, I'm one of those Raven fans. I am happy to be wet in the in the name of winning. So uh, we'll. Uh, I I haven't checked the weather yet, but take your poncho, even if it says it's beautiful weather, because you never know. Um, Fifty two for a high at, in, during game time is what I'm seeing. Okay, all right. It's getting starting to get cold in the in here. Uh, let's get to the mailbag. This is where you send in your questions on Twitter using the hashtag film study mailbag or write them on the Russell Street Report forum, and we can find them there as well. Uh, just a few questions today, Ken, and I want to start it with one that I can't believe we're already getting this question. It seems way too early, but here it goes. Is Hayden Hurst a bust? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm actually concerned about what's happened with Hayden Hurst, that he's only been involved in the, in, the, in the plays in a very limited way. He's been targeted three times in two games with one reception. They've got, you know, a decent crew of tight ends, one through four, but maybe you got to think right now at the trade deadline to see if one of those guys could be traded. And obviously the obvious guys are the, are the two fourth-year guys, Boyle and, and Williams. You could trade one. The Ravens really seem to like the number of inline blockers they have at tight end, and I think it's actually hurting Hurst. The other thing that's hurting Hurst is that Andrews is off to a nice start, and as the receiving tight end, the receiving tight end, he's been very good at uh, at getting down the field and getting open, and uh, that's a lot of what Hurst brings to the table. So uh, we'll see. I, I, I do expect him to get involved in the, in the, in the uh, game more. I expect him to be more of a third down target for Flacco, along with Snead, along with Andrews. Uh, you know, be those middle of the field guys who can convert easily on third down. A lot of those are now going to Buck Allen, as we as we saw in this game. So, uh, hopefully, we'll see more snaps from Hurst at a bare minimum. And uh, I don't have a snap count from this game, but I don't imagine it was too exciting. So you don't think anything's wrong with Hurst? You think it's more of a he missed his opportunity by missing these first four games, and now it's kind of don't break what's working. Yeah, I, I, the unfortunately the other tight ends are all playing well. So in terms of snap count, Hayden Hurst had 18 snaps, Mark Andrews 20, Max Williams 33, and Nick Boyle 47. So you can see he's getting the least playing time of those four tight right. ends. And uh, uh, you know it's not where you hope your first round pick will be at this point in the season. Right, and he's also had the least amount to connect with Joe and work out timings with Joe, relationship with Joe, any of that stuff. That's that's a good point. He had a great relationship with RG3 and with Lamar Jackson in the preseason, but you're right, not too much with Joe. All right, uh, next question up. Um, uh, I suspect this doesn't even need to be asked because you'll highlight it anyway, but late in the game, the Ravens showed Hurst at left guard and Zeus at right tackle. How did Zeus look, and can we draw any conclusions about how ready his pass blocking is and if he's uh, and if he's available to start? Okay, well, we got into this a little bit. We we did. So, for start, it was a little bit of a misconception. Hurst did not play any snaps at left guard. He played at right tackle for the entire game. And I, you're you're not the only one who thought they saw that because other people have posted it all over, and it's been in. Uh, I think it might have been in the Sun. Actually, they said they said something about it. So, I, you know, I'm not trying to call anybody out. I'm just trying to say it's common misconception. But anyway, he didn't he didn't play there. In terms of of 
what Orlando Brown has done as a pass blocker so far this year. We have seen him for a fair amount in the Buffalo game. We've seen other snaps from him as a sixth lineman, other snaps as a fifth lineman when he came in and actually replaced Hurst on some Lamar Jackson snaps. And he's looked pretty good in those. So uh, uh, his offensive line uh, you know, scores have generally been good. I'll give you his total snaps here for the year and what I've scored him at. But he's got 44 snaps for the year with 39 blocks. Uh, 37 points at a .84 points per play. So on an adjusted basis at tackle, he'd be right at a low A level so far this year. So nothing wrong with what he's done. Uh, most of the snaps came against Buffalo where he had 25 of his 44 snaps, but he's had snaps in every game this year except for Denver and uh, and done a little something with it. So they, they're trying to work him in, and whether it's Jumbo or bringing him with Lamar Jackson, I think they're, they're trying to work him in for a, a few snaps every game. And He's the heir apparent in any case at right tackle. He'll he'll be there soon enough. All right. It's funny. We've got a theme of mailbag questions tonight where all the questions are kind of about getting other guys involved in the game more. And this next one from Brad comes in and asks if you have any idea if the Ravens plan to incorporate Jalen Hill or Bam Bradley on the active roster when they come off the pup list. Uh, You know, right now, I think it would be kind of difficult to get either guy in. And, and okay, Jalen Hilfers is, is a cornerback. And let's talk about Jalen Hill a little bit because last year he was one of the preseason most valuable players for the Ravens with just an outstanding preseason that was up there with Brent Urban also who had a great one. Right. And and it, it, it really, you thought, there's our backup slot corner. Maybe there's a guy that'll get some playing time. And then they, they put Lardarius Webb in the role, and they finally, at midseason, decided we need to get somebody else in there, and they put Jalen Hill in for a game. And Jalen Hill played well for eight snaps. And then they decided, nope, we think Maurice Kennedy is our guy. We'll bring him <laughs> off, right. off IR. And they did. And, and uh, Maurice Kennedy played very well the rest of the year. And you know we'll remember him probably for two plays. One is the touchdown pass to Decker against the Titans, which lost a very important tiebreaker game. And the other is the touchdown pass on 4th and 12, where Kennedy, Kennedy was asked to play safety instead of slot corner, where he played the whole year. And, and that was an abysmal failure, of course, too. So the truth of the matter is, in between those two plays, Kennedy had one hell of a year. And that included... Uh, you know, a stop against the Colts the very previous week in man coverage on the game ceiling play. So, you know, he may be back. I think he's more likely to come off injured reserve than Jalen Hill is to come off pup. So I think the more likely thing, they have a window. If they have some injuries that, that occur, yeah, then then maybe Jalen Hill is a, is a possibility. I don't know actually where he is in the rehab process. He was injured, I believe, last December. So with an ACL for a corner, that can often be a longer healing process than that. He may or may not really be ready to go by the end of the season. They may have already given up this season basically to IR. You know, they they ha- they certainly have the opportunity to bring Kennedy back with the current group uh, being four deep. And now Averett, by the way, practiced today. I think it becomes less likely week by week without additional action on the injury list that, that Hill has brought back. Bam Bradley, interesting inside linebacker, uh, played a little bit, looked really good in the preseason last year, good special teams player, and the best size and shape fit the Ravens have at inside linebacker other than their starters. But again, you've got now a couple guys who are both contributing something, Peanut and and uh, Kenny Young, both playing well. Kenny Young playing really well the whole year, but, but Peanut had the best game of his career in the last game with two sacks, a couple stops otherwise, you know, only 13 snaps. I mean, he, he looked good enough that you, you keep contributing with him, keep him on his, on special teams. They have board available for special teams who uh, ha, has only played a few defensive snaps and they have McClellan who they really value on special teams, also an inside linebacker. So Van Bradley probably also needs injury help in the form of somebody else getting hurt in order to come back as well. And, and once again, I really don't know where he is in terms of rehabbing his own injury. So I'd love to be able to give you more information. I'll just say the Ravens have really solid depth at both positions right now, and it seems to me a little bit unlikely that either guy will be, will come back. All right. Well, uh, it's good. that's a good problem to have, though, is that you don't need those guys right now. Yeah, of course. And, you know, the, the, the situation with depth is really good for the Ravens. There's, there's, there were only a couple of positions where, boy, if they lost that guy, it would be really terrible and, or, or irreplaceable. There's lots of places where it would be terrible. You can't, 
you really would have a hard time replacing somebody like Zadaria Smith at this point. You, you can't, you know, imagine losing Terrell Suggs. But, you know, m- most of the other positions other than Flacco, you really, uh, if you lost someone, it'd be, it'd be very bad, but maybe you'd have a way to get by. And, and the Ravens have really significant depth then at a lot of other, at a lot of positions, and cornerback being one where they've already weathered a lot of difficulty this year. So, yeah, depth is always good. Right. All right, Ken. Well, we've got four days until the uh, Ravens host the Saints for a nice 4 p.m. game, late afternoon game. Yeah, really looking forward to that. Right. right. Maybe we get a little more cold weather. Maybe it's good for a breeze. But, boy, all that does is delay the analysis period by three hours. I really I really dislike it. Uh, that That's true. That means you can't start your uh, analysis until a little later that night. There you it means go. A, a long night for you. Uh, Drew Brees has never beat the Ravens. He's 0-4 right. on the Ravens. Is, do you know off the top of your head, is there a quarterback who has struggled more against the Ravens than going 0-4? for um, No, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm trying to think of what Browns quarterback like Tim Couch or somebody like that might have might have gone like 1-8 and eight or something. Yeah, I'm sure you could find I was going to say, what, what Browns quarterback has gotten four, <laughs> four starts against the Ravens? Yeah, we, we'd really have to look for that. Obviously, the Browns have a long litany of quarterbacks uh, yeah. over, over the years, but there, there might have been there might have been something. I'm trying to think of uh anyone else who in the division maybe i mean obviously the quarterbacks in pittsburgh before roethlisberger never really stayed around for too long like maddox or uh cordell stewart was okay against the ravens the ravens were were worse during his era uh you know it it, i'd really have to think about that one to see if i could if i could come up with a a player who meets that right well let's hope it let's hope we make it zero and five this week um over the next four days i'd like people to go check out uh birdlandsports.com lots of new podcasts up there from not only film study but uh neutral zone infraction dage view birdland bs and section 336 all have new episodes that have came out in the last day or two to check out and uh so what, what is what was yeah. dade's episode about this week can you, can you tell me anything about it yeah i i mean it, it's it covered it gave his thoughts on the owen uh on the shutout and then looking a little ahead to the Drew Brees coming into town. All right, very good. He's he's a good listen and uh, got a very well paced voice. He was he's one of the only people that I can ever imagine being able to do a podcast on its own and having it be really good because he knows how to pace himself. Yeah, and good. it's yeah, it's awesome that it's just one guy and it's the perfect length to listen to at your lunch break because it's always about twenty two, twenty three minutes, perfect amount of time to get through lunch on, on one of these work days. If you, if you want a long two, you know two daiquiri lunch or a two margarita lunch go ahead and listen to the deuce uh wyndham right. Saints preview oh, <laughs> that, get... that'll get your drive to work and your drive home from work there you go so there uh can we talk a lot about russell street report and i want you to talk about that but we never brought up the fact that you have a weekly appointment on uh 105.7 that's right so uh, on uh, scott and jeremy had me on at 4 p.m on monday so that's pretty cool and the only thing i feel bad about is that i never have the offensive line scoring done by that so i'm always referring to last week so uh, hurst had his best career game and this this monday actually is talking about all the help they were giving hurst and how i didn't think he was really as valuable as his grade level would indicate so I, i'm on a day earlier than i really have the most current information for the offensive line so i apologize to that to the listeners but it's uh you know it is what it is and we, you know i do the best i can um, I, what I would tell you, if you're trying to quote what's going on, wait until I actually put the article out and don't try and, and uh, go by what I say about the offensive line on that Monday show because oftentimes I'm, I'm just uh, I'm behind. And if anything I've learned over this is really only trust your scoring. Don't trust your impressions about offensive line play. You really need to take the time to score it. If you're if you're just watching a football game as you normally would and you 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 have impressions about pressure, you'll often will miss something big and it's it's worth taking the time. But thanks for mentioning that. I, I appreciate it. If you follow me on Twitter, I'm at Film Study Ravens, out on Russell Street Report. Go take a look. The articles are there, lots more information, timestamps that you can go back and go into the uh, game pass or whatever you like uh, to your DVR to look at the games and uh, you know gives you the transparency of, of how I scored things and how I how I review the film. All right, that's where they follow you, Josh. Well, we went over Birdland Sports, but they can follow me on Twitter at Josh Soroka S R O K A, and uh, give me a follow there and 
again, I, I, I will leave all of the film study questions that come in for you to answer, Ken. Very, very rarely do I try to answer one on Twitter because I am not the brains behind this. That is all you. <laughs> so if, if, if they want, if they want a comment and uh, an opinion, I can jump in with that. If they want hard facts, I'm leaving it to you, Ken. Well, I appreciate that, Josh, and I couldn't do the show without you. Uh, appreciate all the production, hard production you are going to do on this. Oh, and I, and I learn each week, so I'm I'm getting better. I'm uh, I'm I'm definitely paying attention to the games better now because of this show. So, all right, Ken, we'll try to stay uh, warm and dry on Sunday, and we will talk on Monday. Life's good, Josh. Talk to you later. comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.